This episode is for anybody who is suffering from perimenopause or menopausal symptoms like sleeplessness, weight gain, brain fog, those things that just take the quality of life down to a bare minimum. My guest, Dr. Michael Green, is an OBGYN. He said his first favorite thing in the world is delivering babies. His second favorite thing is helping women get over the fear that bioidentical hormones are in some way going to lead to cancer or damage them and that they're not safe. They are, and he's going to give us his story on why and how protective they are, not just for getting rid of symptoms, but for the long-term health of our bodies once estrogen declines. Have a listen. This is the Rebellious Wellness Over 50 podcast for women over 50 who have a lot of living yet to do, who want to enjoy the ride for as long as they can in good health and with a sense of humor, maybe a little wine. I'm Gregory Ann Cox, and I believe it's time to bust the myth that aging equals decline in every area of life. Nonsense. I would say something else, but I'll keep it clean for now. Aging happens, but it doesn't have to ruin your life. You just need to get a little rebellious in your approach. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Rebellious Wellness Over 50. Today is going to be a conversation that I've been looking forward to for quite some time. Uh, my guest, Dr. Mike Green, is one of the um, partners in a company called By Winona, which specializes in prescribing online, so you don't have to go to a doctor's office, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. And if any of you have been following me for any amount of time, you will probably know that I am a big advocate for getting information out about how safe and reliable it is, how helpful it is to the aging process. Uh, once we start losing estrogen, lots of things go downhill and go awry. And Dr. Green is going to help us understand what that means for us and what BHRT can do to help us age better. So Dr. Green, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it, uh, having me. So you have, you wear a lot of hats, but your one of your main hats is uh, delivering babies, which is a far cry from working with menopausal and perimenopausal women. <laughs> but tell us a little bit about what you do and why you love the baby thing, but you ended up here. So, yeah, I love delivering babies. I mean, honestly, like of everything I do in my life, that's probably the coolest thing. Yeah. Um, the day you get married, the day you have your kids, those are the days you remember all the details, and I get to be like a big part of, of that. So it's really exciting. Um, I've delivered well over 5,000 babies, and wow. um, the day I don't get chills when a new baby comes out is Aww. the day I quit doing that. It's still super exciting. So yeah, I, uh, I love doing that. Um, but I also am passionate about women's health in general. Um, and um, the... Hormone replacement issue. I've been I've been in practice since uh, '99, so before the Women's Health Initiative study came out. So I've seen this pendulum swing crazy back and forth, and uh, it's really a shame. The fear that's out there um, for hormone replacement therapy. It's really it, it's an unjustifiable fear, and honestly, it, with that fear lives in the OBGYNs at least as much as it does in the patients. Mm. Um, and so it becomes a big access issue for women to get the medications that they really need that's gonna make a big difference. And so um, I'm really excited to be able to do this and sort of hope, help open up that um, access to women that otherwise are gonna have a hard time um, 
finding the relief they need from their their menopause transition and the symptoms that come with that. So let's start with the fear. What do you, I mean, you can't speak for all OBGYNs, but you're certainly in that community. What do you hear from them that they're afraid of prescribing for? And then we can talk about what you might know that women are afraid of using them for. So um, there's just so much, well, first of all, inherent to OBGYN, we're all afraid of getting sued. Yeah. <laughs> and, and But honestly, the suit coming from you know, a, a bad obstetrical case is really the, the potential career-ending suit. Um, but still, everyone has this paranoia about them. And there was a lot of misinformation and misinterpretation of the Women's Health Initiative study that sort of put this fear of HRT into really a generation of docs. Um, I was actually interviewing a new doc for uh, Winona uh, last week. And we kind of had a long conversation about this. And they said they felt that they didn't get a good education because they came out, they were in residency just after the Women's Health Initiative came out. And people were like, well, you're not going to use it anyway, so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> and so they felt that they didn't get a good education. And so, you know, part of what I'm going to do with this talk, if I end up hiring them, is to bring them up with the latest research and, and you know, I've given them some papers to read and things like that to to help you know educate my fellow docs that this actually is is safe and very effective for you know a lot of women. So it's effective at relieving symptoms. And what is the long term benefit for women as we age and BHRT? So that's one of the big misunderstandings I think that's out there is that everybody is afraid that. Um, is going to give them breast cancer or some other horrible cancer or they're going to have a heart attack or a stroke from this. And yes, all those things are possible. But if you really look at the numbers for appropriately screened patients um, that start hormone replacement therapy before the age of 60, they actually have a decreased risk of cardiovascular events. And so if you look at the total picture, women that start hormone replacement therapy before 60 that are appropriate candidates, on average will live longer and live healthier lives than women that have never been on hormone replacement therapy. So the big picture is that it's actually good for you, um, you know, in the appropriate patient. Um, and that was one of the problems with the Women's Health Initiative study is um, they had all kinds of patients in there that we would never think about giving hormone replacement therapy to nowadays. So we're more careful in our selection to make sure that we don't hurt anybody. But when that selection is done appropriately, um, it's n not only just very safe, but also increases lifespan, um, mm -hmm. and, you know, decreases problems. Um, so that's, I think, I, I, I think I was surprised when I found that data. Um, mm -hmm. And it, there's several big studies that back that up. Uh, and I don't think that's well understood by the medical community or the, the patient community. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's sort of one of the things that we're trying to get out there and explain to patients. So what happens at 60 that makes a patient otherwise healthy without any contraindications for the BHRT? What happens at that age that makes them no longer a candidate? Yeah, so a good question. I mean, the truth is at 59 and 364 days, like it's not like there's no problem. And then the next day, oh my God, we're going to blow up. Um, but we have to draw a line in the sand somewhere. And it's basically done on statistics. And so the, the concept is that estrogen helps decrease cardiovascular problems and it helps protect the heart and it's basically a heart healthy medication in the long run. And so women that are on estrogen or hormone replacement therapy 
you know, before there's problems, keep from developing those problems over the long term. Women that go through the menopause transition and aren't on replacement start having each year, each day, you know, each month a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more risk. And 60 seems to be the cutoff where that risk sort of flips. The problem is if there's already pre-existing problems, even if it's not diagnosed, even if you don't know about it, and you start estrogen in patients with pre-existing heart disease, the estrogen can cause problems. And so actually what they found in the Women's Health Initiative study was that there was an increased risk of cardiovascular events in the first two years of hormone replacement therapy. But after that, it actually benefited patients. Hmm. Um, so that was the, the over, overall picture on the Women's Health Initiative study. The problem with that study is that they were enrolling women as old as 79. And so um, when you just teased it out and you said, okay, if we start somebody who's basically young and healthy, we don't have that first two-year problem because there isn't that pre-existing cardiovascular disease. And so we just get that long-term benefit. And 60 seems to be the age statistically where that long-term problem starts being enough that we worry about starting estrogen. So that's where the age 60 comes from. That's the logic behind it. Mm-hmm. So technically, if somebody were to work with a doc and she had no risk factors, it's possible that she could start that BHRT safely. Yes, and I'm a, I'm a big believer in shared decision-making. So um, I feel my job as a physician is to educate my patients, explain to them, you know, from what, you know, as best I can, what I think are the risks and the benefits and give them options and then, you know, these are safe ways to do it. This is a little less safe way. Um, and then they have to decide what's right for them. Um, and so I think that's a, you know, a very important conversation. Yeah. We sort of cherry pick with Winona, quite honestly. And the reason is that we don't have that in-person exam um, and that, that um, you know, the subtleties that come from laying on hands and being in the same room with the patient. And safety is my top priority. Uh, you know, if I relieve your hot flashes, but I kill you, I haven't really done you any good. So we're you know, really, really careful with what we do. So we have a very strict 60 cutoff um, with Winona. Um, but I can tell you in my office, there are patients that are over 60 that I will start home replacement therapy because I feel like I can have a better conversation um, more accurately assess risk and more accurately and better educate someone and make sure that they understand what they're getting into. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a difference there. Um, and, um, you know, I'm a, a little bit less um, willing to take sort of edge cases on on a telehealth platform than I would in, in a real life um, mm-hmm. situation. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, your talk about the what what you actually prescribe through Winona and telehealth and then how does a telehealth, who are your docs? You said you're interviewing somebody. Give us a little bit of information about Winona. Sure. So we we keep it really simple. We prescribe estrogen and progesterone, and we prescribe a supplement called um, DHEA, which is a testosterone substitute. So DHEA gets broken down into estrogen and testosterone within 30 minutes of taking it. So it's our way of upping testosterone levels a little bit to do it safely. We prescribe no more than 50 milligrams a day, and at that level, you're not going to push testosterone outside of a, a normal female range. Um, so we're not talking about bodybuilder levels of DHEA, um, but it's enough to give a lot of improvement. So those are basically the three things we do. The estrogen we have as pills, we have as compounded creams, and we also have as patches. 
the progesterone we have as capsules. Um, we have as also compounded creams. And we can compound the estrogen and progesterone together in the same cream to make it more convenient. The DHA we only offer in the capsule form, in the oral form. Um, so one of the great things that we have with Winona is a, a fantastic pharmacy partner. Uh, and these guys are they're so smart. Um, and I'm told that compounding is really an art. Um, and you really need a good compounding pharmacist and people that really know what they're doing to really get quality medication. And these guys are, are they're just top notch. They're, they're some of the smartest guys I know. And so we talked about the DHEA and they said, yeah, says, you know, there are people that want to compound it and honestly we'll compound it, but it doesn't really work well compounded. They don't think the absorption with the compounded DHEA, it, 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 they think it's more of a placebo. And I'm like, well, we don't do placebos with Winona. You know, we want to give you real stuff that's really going to work. And so we only offer the DHA as a capsule, but that's the, the rationale behind it. And we have one other product um, that's sort of an add-on product that, uh, that our, uh, our compound pharmacists developed called Blossom Cream, which is a sildenafil cream. It's basically um, the active ingredient in Viagra in a cream form. And that's placed on the clitoris and the surrounding tissues about 30 minutes before sex. And it, like Viagra, it increases the blood flow to those areas, which increases sensitivity, um, helps with orgasmic potential, and increases uh, the, the pleasure and sensation. So um, that's a sort of add-on thing that we also offer. Um, we feel, hey, it's... The, 50-year-old guys are getting Viagra, so should the women. So, yeah, why not? <laughs> fair is fair. Um, so that's it. That's our whole product line. Um, I had a mentor in residency that told me, you know, they said, Mike, this is do what you do. Do it really well. Don't mess around with things you don't do because you end up hurting people. I thought that was really great advice. And so that's what we do. We just, this is what we do. And, um, and we think we do it really well. And we try not to mess around with things that, that we don't do. So. Sounds good. I have to ask you about pills versus cream or transdermal, anything attached. Um, my understanding is that conjugating estrogen through the liver, which is what happens with a pill versus absorption through your skin, is potentially not as healthy as the cream or a patch. Can you address that? I'm sorry, I, I, I just I missed that last part. Sorry. The, no, the, creams versus pills when creams you're taking pills. estrogen. Yes. So there's a couple of things. Um, the transdermal through the skin um, has some advantages in that it bypasses what's called first pass metabolism. And so the concept is when you take something in through your digestive tract, basically all of that goes first to the liver and then distributes to the rest of the body. The liver's job is to detoxify things. So it sees a medication and starts breaking it down. So when you send stuff, like all of it first to the liver, um, a couple of things happen. Number one, it gets broken down. Not all of it, of course, but a little bit more of it. Um, and two, it sort of stresses the liver because it sees this big bolus of stuff all at once that it's got to deal with. When you give medicine through the skin, that gets into the general circulation. Some of it goes to the liver, but a lot of it goes everywhere else. I mean, it all eventually gets to the liver, but it doesn't get to the liver all in one big bolus. And that makes it a lot easier on the liver to handle. It also means that we can use a smaller dose because less of it is getting broken down right away. Mm. So that's the sort of science behind the differences. 
What that means practically is that there's less stress on the liver. So uh, women that have you know some liver issues, um, this would be a lot safer to use the patch or the cream. Um, or people that have cholesterol or lipid problems, um, also um, safer for those women. It's also thought um, through similar mechanisms to have less risk of blood clots like um, DVT or PE, dangerous blood clots that um, can happen in the body. Um, for the same for the same reasons, so those are all advantages of a transdermal approach. Mm -hmm. My yeah. take on that is for most young, healthy women, yeah, that's true. It's probably not a huge difference. There are some patients where it's really important for. Um, so, to me, they all sort of work well, um, and all else being equal, maybe you're better off with a patch or a cream. But if those don't sound good to you and taking a pill seems more convenient. If you don't have one of these underlying problems, it's first perfectly reasonable to use a pill. That's good to know. Yeah, I have hemochromatosis, so I can't do anything to aggravate my liver and I'm trying to manage my iron at this age as well. So the cream was my... Was a, a so it's perfect for you, yeah. yeah. So talk a little bit about progesterone. We talk so much about estrogen. What's the importance of progesterone? So for women that still have a uterus, progesterone is absolutely necessary. Um, and the reason is that estrogen stimulates the inside lining of the uterus um, called the endometrium. And if not tempered by progesterone, it can stimulate, 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 stimulate. And eventually that can lead to problems, including uterine cancer. Progesterone organizes those tissues. Um, so it's sort of the counterbalance to the estrogen. And so when you use estrogen and progesterone together, it actually decreases the risk of uterine cancer compared to not using anything. So for women that still have a uterus, it's absolutely necessary to add progesterone. Otherwise, it's, in my opinion, it's too risky um, and the chance of getting a uterine cancer is just you know, not, not worth it. Um, so that's sort of a, a, a necessary evil, although not that progesterone is evil, but women that don't have a uterus aren't required to have progesterone. Um, but in some cases, progesterone can help. So progesterone does help with um, sleep. It helps with mood stabilization. Um, it does give some benefits um, in and of itself. The downside of progesterone and I'm still not completely convinced about this data, but supposedly women that use hormone replacement therapy with just estrogen have a lower risk of breast cancer um, than women that use a combination of estrogen and progesterone. To me, the data doesn't make a whole lot of sense, um, but it's been replicated, so it's probably true. Um, so the other part of it is that my sort of philosophy is that the least amount of medicines that you need to take to make yourself good is the way to go. Like why add medicines you don't need? So my default when someone doesn't have a uterus is usually to start them on, on estrogen alone, um, often with DHEA, um, because most women need the testosterone boost as well. Um, and then add progesterone later if it turns out that the estrogen is not benefiting them enough. So that's sort of my, my normal strategy. But I'm willing to, again, as we talked about just shared decision-making, I'm willing to talk to patients and explain this to them. And some patients really want progesterone. There's some people that want progesterone without the estrogen, which I'm happy to do if that's what they prefer. Mm -hmm. So my philosophy that way is that as long as something's safe, that's the first priority. So I won't do something that I think is, is completely unsafe. To me, that's unethical. Um, 
But if something's reasonably safe, even if it's not my first choice or what I think necessary to work the best, but a patient really wants to try it that way, I'm willing to do that and let's see how it goes. And I think that's a, a reasonable way to do it. So there are some patients that prefer progesterone, prefer progesterone alone. And, and you know, after a short discussion of, you know, as long as they understand what we're doing, uh, I think that's okay. Yeah, I, I, I think I started estrogen and now I'm and then I got progesterone, progesterone for sleep because my sleep was mm-hmm. still not at all. Progesterone is interesting. For most people, it really helps with sleep. Um, there's a very small percentage where uh, progesterone does the opposite and wow. has an activating caffeine-like effect. Um, and so, you know, occasionally we run across them and I say, well, switch it, take the cream in the morning, see how you feel, and that works. And then there's a very small minority that the progesterone gives them funky dreams. Um, so for those, I, I had a conversation with a patient yesterday. I'm like, well, if you like the dreams and they're pleasant, keep using it at night. Otherwise, switch to the morning, you know, they're bad dreams. So, um, but that's a, a pretty small number, but it does happen every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of like those. Sometimes I, I take an over sleeping thing sometimes. And every once in a while, I'll switch it up just because I feel it's good to switch it up. And if it has Valerian in it, I get crazy dreams. And I don't mind them as long as I'm rested when I wake up. Right. Yeah. I, um, I was on a medical mission trip uh, and was taking a malaria prophylaxis, which is known for giving like crazy dreams. And it's a once a week dose. And my roommate that I was rooming with at the time uh, on this trip, we were on the same schedule. So the, the night that we took, we were like, oh, here comes the dreams. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think as long as you know they're coming, it's not as bad. Yeah. yeah. So some people get really freaked out by all of a sudden having crazy dreams. Sure. So your... Um, so if somebody goes, the, the website is by com, And let's say somebody's interested after hearing this conversation. So they go to the website and what do they do? So if they want to start right away, um, there's a button to click and that takes them to the, the interview um, to make sure they're an appropriate candidate and give us information. There's also a lot of information. So we've written a ton of blog articles um, to educate, um, and they're all referenced um, to you know to research articles and whatnot. Um, uh, so, you know, if, if you want to look around and educate yourself first, um, that's a great thing to do. But if you're just ready, you can go on. There's a button to click, and then it'll ask you a series of questions. Most of the first, it'll ask you what your symptoms are. Um, it'll ask you what state you're in to make sure we're there, um, and um, your age. And then we'll ask a series of health questions um, that are really designed to make sure that you're an appropriate candidate for hormone replacement therapy. Um, and if you're not, we'll politely tell you, you know what, this really isn't going to be safe for you in this platform. Um, now, let me say that if you do sort of get booted out by us, it's possible um, that in a face-to-face office situation, uh, you know, it may be okay um, to have hormone replacement therapy. So it doesn't mean like nobody in the world is going to give it to you. But in the situation of telehealth, um, we try to be as safe as we can um, and really, um, you know, weed out the, those things are, that, you know, are, are a little touchy um, and, and risky. So if you sort of survive that, <laughs> then I'll ask you some other health questions um, that, that we need to know. And then I developed an algorithm 
um, that takes all the information you've given and provides us a treatment um, uh, option. And so we ask you, do you know, do you fear pills, creams, or patch? And it'll show you this is what um, you know we would recommend um, for your individual situation. If you like that, you can say, yeah, that looks great. Um, and um, this is, if the doctor approves it, this is what I want. Um, you can say, you know what, I need to talk to the doctor first. Um, so there's a button for that. Or you can say, ah, oh, let me see some other options. Um, so those are all things. And once you're, you're comfortable, then you'll move on. We'll ask for you to upload your driver's license and your picture. Um, pharmacy laws say that we have to um, do that. We have to be able to verify your identity in order to give you um, prescriptions. Uh, and then your credit card. You won't be charged until the prescriptions are actually written. And then that goes to us. Um, and uh, so we basically get to see all the answers to your questions. We look and make sure, yes, you're an appropriate candidate. Um, and that, yes, I agree with the algorithm. Um, I developed this algorithm over the first several thousand patients um, and you know, did a lot of you know, manipulating. Uh, and now, you know, it's very rare that I'll, I'll change something up. It works pretty well. Um, that takes us to a prescription page where we write you your prescription and then um, that gets sent to the pharmacy and bills your credit card. And then we send you a message explaining um, you know, what, what you're taking and um, how to take it and, and that kind of thing. You also have the ability to send us a message um, or questions. And so if there's questions that are substantial, we'll answer those before we prescribe you. Um, or if you indicated that you want to talk to us first before we prescribe anything. Um, and so we have a messaging platform um, to go back and forth. So this is what's called asynchronous telehealth, which means we aren't actually real-time communicating, but we're still communicating thoroughly, as thoroughly as you need, um, through messaging back and forth. And once everybody's comfortable, um, then we go ahead and send the prescription. So that prescription goes to our compounding pharmacy. It gets prepared and usually sent out the next day, um, unless it's a weekend, but then the next open pharmacy day and it gets sent out by um, the USPS. Uh, you get charged for the medication, the shipping, the doctor consults, all those are not charged. And then um, if there's questions or issues, you can always message us and um, we respond to your messages you know, pretty, pretty quickly uh, and get back to you and make sure everything's okay or answer your questions. I tried to set this up the way I would do it in my office. So um, if I were to write you a new medication in my office, I'd want to see you back in three months, see how you're doing, make sure it's working. Um, and if it is, that's great. Let's um, give you a year's worth and I'll see you every year and make sure things are okay. Um, and so that's what we built with Winona. So uh, at about 10 weeks, from starting the medication, you'll get um, a note from us and some, some more questions and another interview to make sure things are going okay. If you're happy and things are great, we'll refill for a year and every month or three months, however you're getting the medication, um, it'll just automatically refill. And then we do the same process every year. If it doesn't seem to be completely taking care of your symptoms or not working, then um, you know you'll you'll tell us that. We'll talk to you. Gee, maybe we should increase the dose or change this or that. Or if you're having side effects, gee, maybe we need to do this or that. We'll adjust it to try to make it work for you. Um, or if you decide this isn't the right thing for me, then you just cancel, and that's okay too. So that's sort of how the process works. Uh, we've tried to make it um, simple for the patient um, and the doctor. Um, one of the things that took a, sort of a lot of work and um, kind of a change in the way of thinking was really whittling down to what do I really need to know. 
Um, and so in the office, there's this thing I call medical theater. Um, we do a lot of things in the office that aren't really necessary, but patients kind of expect. Um, like, honestly, I can't remember the last time I heard something through my stethoscope that I didn't already know was there, <laughs> but I still wave a stethoscope at people because they expect that. Um, and so there's a lot of that kind of thing. And when I was first sort of building the online interview, you know, I had a lot of this superfluous stuff that I would normally ask, but the doesn't really change anything. And so we try to simplify things down and, and we really boil it down to what do I really need to know to get you the right medicine, take care of your symptoms and do it safely. Um, and so we try to make it as easy as possible for you. Um, so you're not spending a half an hour filling out, you know, those forms the doctor's office sends you before your first oh visit. <laughs> it takes, it should take about five minutes to get through the, uh, through the onboarding process. Um, Maybe ten if you got to find, you know, your your ID and credit card to upload. Um, but the process is pretty painless. Um, but and it gives us the information that we need to do it safely and effectively. Mm -hmm. I want to address buying something like a prescription, as many people have prescription coverage. Um, so you get to Medicare, and then you may or may not, depending on how you buy it. It's so confusing. You buy it, and they still won't cover it because it's a you know compounded thing. But all of that to say, uh, you and I had a conversation about weighing the cost benefit. So tell the listeners a little bit about your. So we um, we do take HSA FSA cards. So you can use that as your primary billing card and we give the appropriate receipts um, you know for those entities that they need um, some people bill their own insurance um, we don't bill insurance for you but we have had some patients have success um, billing insurance but honestly most people don't um, depends on the insurance so if you have Kaiser there's no way they're gonna pay for this you know um, we've done everything we can to keep the price down um, and keep this really affordable um, so if you think about the cost of going to the doctor, um, you've got your copay, um, and then you've got to get your medications, and there may be a deductible, um, and who knows what that's going to be. Um, but there is cost there. On top of that, uh, you've got to make an appointment. Um, and sometimes that can be a month or two out. Um, then you've got to show up to your appointment, then you've got to wait in the waiting room, then you got to wait in the little room waiting for the doctor to show up. You've got to wait um, people. Who wants to get on the scale when you don't have to? Right. Yeah, there is that. Um, although we are going to ask you for your weight, and there, there's two people you don't want to lie to, your attorney and your doctor, so you, know, you want to be honest with that. Um, and then you get there, and the doctor might decide, I have a lot of patients tell me this, and it, it's actually kind of saddens me. It's like, my doctor said they don't prescribe home replacement therapy. So you go through all that, and you know what? You don't end up getting what you need because your doctor has this philosophical thing against the medication that's going to help you um but maybe they do prescribe before you that's great um so then you got to wait you know a day or two or go that later that afternoon to the pharmacy and they've got to wait in line at the drugstore and then of course um you know if you go to the drugstore i go to and you're a good book you're a good girl or boy then you get your ice cream cone <laughs> but uh um you know and that that's a hassle and so um the online convenience, um, number one, um, is, you know, is super easy. It takes a few minutes. You don't have to leave your living room. It shows up to your doorstep or your mailbox. Um, and so um, you never have to leave your house if you don't want to. 
um, which I guess isn't good for exercise, but leave your house on. <laughs> Hopefully your mailbox is a little way away. How about that? Um, and um, so it's very convenient. So, you know, when you think about your time spent, your copay, your deductible, um, it's, you know, really pretty affordable for most people. Um, and so, again, we've done everything we can to keep the price point at a, at a place where, you know, it, it's not too painful. And we think it compares favorably, really, to the experience of going to your doctor's office. So I'm just going to do a little who this is for if somebody is, let's just say, 46, 78, perimenopause, you know, sleepless, sweaty, flashing, even older than that. But I know some people need a little... Like, this is you. If you're feeling this way, you know, you can learn about this stuff. You know, be an appropriate candidate. So who, when does it become appropriate for people to start? So I think the biggest sort of mistake people make is they wait for the hot flash. Um, it's amazing how many women never really get hot flashes or they don't get them until really late. Um, and so they're suffering through this, all this other stuff. They're not sleeping. They're gaining belly weight that they never used to gain. Um, their skin is starting to look older. Their hair is thinning and, and you know, not as healthy as it once was. Um, maybe they're more irritable. Um, they get this brain fog, which particularly at work can be a real problem. Um, and they're just not as clear or as sharp as they once were. Um, all these symptoms, joint pain is another one. This is one that actually kind of surprised me. So I have learned like a tremendous amount in the last several years um, about menopause and perimenopause, um, but and also about business. Um, this has been um, quite a quite a uh, an education for me. I love to learn, so it's good. But the joint pain was one that surprised me. I didn't really realize that was a symptom of menopause, but it really is. Um, and I'm like really delighted, delightedly surprised how many patients tell me their joint pain's better um, with the medicine. Now, there's lots of reasons for joint pain that may not be from um, the menopause transition from perimenopause, but it certainly can be one. So all, these are all different symptoms, and these clusters of symptoms they come together, but almost nobody has all of them. Um, but most people get some of them. And so if you're having some of these symptoms and they're sort of getting in the way of stuff and you'd really like to feel like you did 10 years ago, um, then hormone replacement therapy may be um, the appropriate thing for you. Uh, and some people are, you know, the textbook, you know, they get the hot flashes and the night sweats. And, but not everybody is that way. Um, it can be more subtle. And um, and the other thing is interesting uh, I have patients that, you know, they're, they're on the medication for a while and then they decide to go off because they didn't really think it was doing much. Um, and then a month or two later, they message me, I feel terrible. I didn't realize how much better I felt. Can I restart it? Of course yeah. you can. Um, so there's, it seems to be, for some people, sort of subtle and insidious, you know, it, it, it sneaks up on you and you don't even realize this is going on until all of a sudden it's like, ah, oh, you have an aha moment. Um, and then you take the medicine and you're like, wow, I didn't even realize I, I was feeling this way. Um, and it's kind of a shame uh, that it's not sort of better advertiser, you know, better education. And, you know, honestly, SOBGYNs are some of the worst at that because especially the younger ones than me really didn't get much training in this because, oh, you're not going to be doing this anyway. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it kind of got skipped, um, which is which is a problem. Well, these kind of conversations, companies like yours, I know there are other online companies who are doing similar things. 
um, and the education that you do on your websites and, and when you're talking to people are going to maybe you know, shift the conversation. And I, what you were saying about how sometimes for people it's subtle, they don't know. I think also part of the conversation that women hear at that late 40s, early 50s stage is this is what happens at age. And that's one of my pet peeves. When, what is this age? Is there a number that is equal to this, the word towards this age? No, there isn't a number. And like you said, not everybody's going to get flashes. Not everybody's going to get night sweats. Not everybody's going to get joint pain. But lots of people will start to not feel like themselves. And I think that's the key. No, we're not going to go back and all of a sudden you start feeling like you're 25. Excuse me. But we can just feel more regulated, I guess is the right word. I got, when I first started perimenopause, I got Lyme's disease at the same, like within that same month in the summer. And I was engaged to a guy who's nine years younger than I, who's now my husband. So it was imperative that my brain start working and my flashes stop working. So luckily I had a doc who said, look, let's just put you on a little estrogen. As it turned out, he gave me way too much. I was narcoleptic, but we got it sorted out. And, but immediately, literally within a few days before I started to get too sleepy, I started to just feel like myself again. It was, you know, it was just, that's the only way I could describe it. I felt like me. I hear that way too much from my patients. They went to their doctor or they or their friends, but usually their doctor, unfortunately. And they said, oh, that's just aging, live with it. Yeah, that's what happens. Mm -hmm. um, we don't say that about other stuff. You know, <laughs> if you have diabetes or, right, and we don't say, oh yeah, that happens. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, and just leave um, it alone, yeah. Right. It's, so it's sort of blown off and ignored. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a shame because it's pretty simple to make, to make life better. And if yeah. you can make life better, why not? Uh, amen to that. And that sounds like a really great way to wrap this up. If you're good, do you have anything else you'd like to say to people? Um, no, but, um, you know, again, this is very safe. Um, I'm very happy uh, online to explain that to you and, and give you information. Um, so don't be afraid. Um, you know, to to reach out um, to Winona or another um, healthcare company that's providing this. Um, but, you know, get yourself feeling better. Amen to that. And just to reiterate, when you use Winona, you're, you're working with doctors, not just a person who types behind a screen. Right. You know, it's funny, actually. I've been accused of being a bot more than once. Um, <laughs> So, no, we're all board certified. Um, right now, all my docs are board certified OBGYNs. I'm opening, I am open to hiring family docs because there's no reason they can't do this, but we're all board certified doctors. Um, yeah, one patient's like, you can't be a real doctor. You answered me too quickly. I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm sitting in my house. I had a couple patients no shows, so good for you. <laughs> you didn't keep me waiting 45 minutes. You can't be a real doctor. Right. But yeah, no, it's, we're all, um, we're all board certified physicians and the pharmacists are like wonderful compounding pharmacists. We have a great team. We have a really good team. Sounds awesome. So girls, if you're feeling not like yourself and you're at that age, just you know, give it a try. If you feel so inclined, at least get educated on the safety and efficacy and the benefits, which is brain protective, cardio protective, bone protective. It does a lot of good. Just besides making us feel like ourselves. So fear not. And be well till next well next week when I will be back with another fabulous guest. Mike, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. 
before you go, peeps, I was just wondering if we are connected on social media. If not, let's do that. You can find me on Instagram at RebelWell50. Same on Twitter. Facebook, it's Rebellious Wellness Over 50. And hey, don't be a stranger. Comment. Let me know what you'd like to hear about on the podcast or what questions you have about aging better and living rebelliously. 